post Thanksgiving hangover. Enjoy right. this. Right. Get get your ass off the couch yeah. and go to that other couch and listen and watch this. Perfect. <laughs> everybody welcome to what's on joe mind we've got a special edition for you this week it is thanksgiving week uh so we're we're taking a little extra time we're, we're not going to be on friday night live but it, we here's friday night recorded mm-hmm. and uh, wow <laughs> join, joining mark and myself uh you know him as the exceptionally loud host of knowing is half the podcast mr race to canis is here today well, hey, everybody, Mike, Mark, Steve, Jonathan, Samuel, Steve, uh, Steve, too. Yeah, Steve, too. So everybody's here, and I'm just appreciative uh, that you guys would have me on the show this week. Well, Joe Colton and Racktime Rob send their regards, but uh, unfortunately, they are they are uh, away. Yeah, I'm just not big enough for them to, to meet with. I, I know. Look, Joe, Joe Colton is keeping the world safe for democracy, and I wish that was a euphemism. But she's actually doing her part to keep the world safe from democracy. So um, uh, she's got a good excuse. Rob is just tired mm. because you're on the but West just Coast. Just because and... I made you guys record this at two in the morning, right? Doesn't right. mean that you shouldn't be showing up with look, bells on. Look, not not everybody has um, my unique ability to stay up till all hours and talk about nonsense. And I mean. And Mark's head of energy. Mountain Dew. I'll so. be here. I'll be here all night. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are like the you're the appetizers. <laughs> We're just gonna have a live live camera on Mark for the next thirty six yeah. hours. Yeah, you're the mozzarella sticks. <laughs> There's a lot more food coming. I don't know. You're gonna come is... back two weeks from now uh, for the live show, and he's just still gonna be there. Right. <laughs> Just eyes open like Clockwork Orange. One of these, it's going to be great. As as it is, this is already getting vaguely sexual. So, no. sounds about right. Well, it's let's good. push it further. It's yeah, it's good to start there and just hey, <laughs> let's see what happens. Keep it vague, right? <laughs> let's see what happens. <laughs> so, Ray, why don't you take a couple minutes here? Uh, of course, we 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 mentioned knowing us half the podcast. Why don't you tell the folks at home about that if they are not already? familiar with your fine show yeah i mean we've been doing the show knowing it's half the podcast for seven and a half years now we started july 4th that's our birthday chosen specifically because we love america and uh and we chose that 2015 that's when we started so uh we decided uh myself robert clark chan uh who i was already friends with from the sketch comedy los angeles community and the world of podcasting uh, we decided we wanted to do a podcast. We don't know what that show is going to be, but both of us knew we wanted to do something. So it was a matter of, do we do a live role-playing show? Do I do I find one of these obscure role-playing games in my collection and make it happen? Or do we just find a property? Do we find a show and we just talk about that show and just watch episodes? That's a pretty easy podcast to put together, right? There's always more material. 
And so after like talking about it for months, Robert Clark Chan and myself, uh, I said, uh, G.I. Joe, look, I'm a, I was a huge fan. I'm still a huge fan. Big fan of the cartoon show when I was a kid, bought all the figures, have been relatively like keeping up with it, you know, as, as we've been going along. And I said, I think this cartoon, this cartoon has some weight to it that we can get behind. And I think it would make for a good show. And I checked, nobody was doing a podcast talking about the cartoon of G.I. Joe at that time. So I also didn't want to step on anybody else's toes, right? So I came over to his uh, his apartment and I brought a random, because I had every episode on a bootleg DVD. So I brought over a, a DVD of or just a random one I pulled out of the closet. The, the best ideas are born of illegal activity. That's it. They, no, we're criminals. And uh, uh, it was the episode from season two of Real American Hero where Sergeant Slaughter and the Joes get transported by aliens back to ancient Greece. Oh and Sergeant God. Slaughter has to perform the tasks the trials of Hercules. Like that's the thing. And the, the and worst we watched episode this, of the entire show. It was wonderful. How dare you first off, <laughs> second off, how dare you again? What I would say is we watched that. I could just look over. I kept looking over at Chan and I could just see him like doing the math in his head. Like what the f- is happening right now? You know? And so what am I watching? And he's after it was over. I'm like, what do you think? This is just a random episode. I li- just pulled. And he says, yeah, I think this works. I think we can do this. And your enthusiasm for G.I. Joe, the property, can also help sell the show. So we decided, you know, we're going to do the show. We need a third co-host. And we needed somebody who wasn't a dude. Uh, we definitely wanted to make sure that we, we we didn't have three guys talking to each other. No offense to podcasts with three or four dudes talking to each other. But it's just, you don't like, get the like same Like the one we just recorded a few minutes mm-hmm. ago. Don't worry about that, right? Like, you don't get the same perspective. You know, it's better to have diversity. It's better to have uh, multiple viewpoints because if you just have four people who agree with each other on the show, that show is boring. Spoiler right. alert, 90% of podcasts out there, you're wrong. So uh, I didn't know Gina. I actually, Chan knew Gina from uh, doing sketch comedy uh, where he did. And, and so he brought her in. I met TV's Gina Ippolito the day, five minutes before we sat down and started recording our first episode together. Well, there you go. Yeah, literally, she came in. I shook her hand. I said, hello, my name's Ray. She says, hi, I'm Gina. I don't know anything about, we didn't know anything about each other at all, uh, even though we'd been around the communities for a while. And we sat down, and for whatever reason, the first ever episode that we recorded was Pyramid of Darkness episode four. Now, I don't know why the genius Ray decided we'd start with episode four as our like trial show. Maybe it was because if it didn't work out, we could just throw it away and not worry about it. I don't know, but uh, we did. There's that. no no over overarching compelling force keeping no, you finished. I don't at know. That point. It it was like a if weird you start episode. at one, you're going to be compelled to go all the way to five. But if you start at four, start at four, you can just pull the plug immediately, right? I guess. But you know, Gina was obviously great, uh, and we all got along famously, and so and we we've been able to keep the show together. Uh, as we've been going. And so now here we are seven and a half years later, we've done every single, we did both of the miniseries. We did all of the first two seasons of real American uh, hero. We did GI Joe, the movie. Uh, We did all of GI Joe Deke era, those two terrible seasons. And we just finished watching literally yesterday. As we record this, we watched the final episode of GI Joe extreme. That would be, I believe 26 episodes of GI Joe extreme from 1995. And, and yeah, and so we're about to launch into the uh, DVD movies that got gifted away with toys. We're about to enter that era before doing G.I. Joe Sigma 6. Now, when I started this show, I had no idea 
there was so much GI Joe. I thought it was, I thought it was real American hero Deke era. And then like one thing that just came out, right. I had no idea. I had no idea. There was so much. Yeah. It's frankly I, upsetting. And, and um, real quick, just to touch on extreme. It's not really, it's underrated. It, it has a it's bad really rap. good. It's actually a pretty decent show. Uh, it's shockingly like the, good. Yeah. Like the aesthetic of it, the art direction of it, I don't necessarily care for. It's a little dark and a little blocky. But as far as the stories themselves go, it's really good. It's really solid. Yeah. Well, and I can explain. I can explain why. Mark, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say to counterbalance that, boy, wait till you see Sigma Six. Oh boy, that's what I'm hearing. Oh yeah. boy, good luck, my friend. Good luck. Yeah. I, I sat down to try to watch that show, and I got two episodes in. Oh boy. Whoa. Well, I look forward to this greatly. Look, that's what I thought was going to happen with Extreme when we sat down, and I was ready to do it. So I, Extreme was like a welcome gift. Now the the right. deal is. You know, Deke ran G.I. Joe, uh, the 1989 version of G.I. Joe, which is just, you know, it, it's tangentially the se- sequel to Real American Hero, uh, right. but it's not really. They sort of just crap on the property and do their own thing with it to sell different toys, uh, and it's right. not that great. But G.I. Joe Extreme, yes, there were toys and everything. I mean, obviously, that's part of the deal of G.I. Joe. I don't need to tell the two of you that at all, but... Um, but G.I. Joe Extreme was Sunbow again. They went back to Sunbow Productions and hired back on a lot of the comic book writers. The last two episodes are written by Roger Slifer, Roger Sleifer. Uh, he's the guy who invented Lobo, uh, the mm-hmm. character from DC Comics. So it's like they brought back the pedigree and uh, Buzz Dixon, uh, you know, who we've had on the show, you've had on your show several times, I'm sure. Uh, I, know, I know at least once because you told me you did. Uh, we, we love what? us some Buzz Dixon. Okay, we, we, we love us some Buzz Dixon. I don't want to say we've had him on more times, but we have. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he told us he wrote this entire treatment for G.I. Joe Extreme, and then they read it and then didn't use it and then fired him or something like that, or he quit or something right. like that. So it's a, But still, I, don't, I hate to tell you, Buzz, it's a really good show. Um, if you can get over this, the animation you said is a little crude. It's mid-90s. The style is this, you know, surge, uh, energy drink, beverage, commercial, uh, everybody's shouting, everybody's screaming. Yeah, exactly. The Mountain Dew kickstart a variety of cartoon. But like, there's real stories, real characters, real development, real plots that kind of go through the season. And it's not something we'd gotten in G.I. Joe up to that point. And, you know, did it pay off? Maybe a little enough that it made me happy. Definitely does right. not deserve the 5.2 on IMDb it currently has from people who I assume didn't watch it. Yeah, I'm gonna guess that they were just like, "Oh, those those toys blew." And, yeah, uh, yeah, because that's, that's I, I, ironically, how... that's that's how I rate Beast Wars. <laughs> like <laughs> those toys sucked. Truck Beast Gorilla. Wars is one of the worst cartoons we've ever watched on the show because we we do we don't just watch GI Joe. We generally tend to alternate or just take turns watching other cartoons. We try to limit it to the 80s and 90s, but we're also not good at that either. Um, but we try to watch 80s and 90s, the stuff we watched when we were kids, revisiting it, uh, finding weird, random stuff that we didn't know existed. You know, we, we, we just try watching everything. We've watched now two episodes of Transformers Beast Wars, and we have come to the consensus it might be the worst show in the history of television. <laughs> and there's a lot of our fan base that's very angry at us. They said after we watched the first episode, oh, 
you guys just watched the the worst episode of Beast Wars. That hardly counts. So we picked a random second episode, and it was a steaming pile of dog manure. And then they're <laughs> and they're like, oh well, you're just haters. No, it wasn't good. The animation is difficult to watch. Yeah. The pictures on screen make my eyes bleed, yeah. and the stories are juvenile and terrible. If you like Beast Wars, I want you to turn this show off right now. They already got the download. They don't need you anymore. Beast Wars is terrible, and you need to own it. I'm bringing I, the hot I'll, takes tonight. I'll be honest with you, Ray. I, I've seen a couple episodes of Beast Wars, and it's so the animation is off-putting enough that I don't remember how the stories were. It's fine. You're right. I yeah. wish I'd forgotten. Right. There it, were cannibalism. There was like robots eating other robots, but it was like a joke. And I'm like, that's actually kind of depressing and horrible. Um, you, that probably shouldn't be the punchline of the episode. That guy tasted delicious. Ha ha. Run credits. Like, no, what? The, what did what? What did you what? No. Bad. Terrible. Yeah. And um, you actually, uh, you, I, I told, I was going to introduce the format of today's show as um, yes, you know, five please. dumb questions, but you've already answered the first dumb question, oh, um, which is, you know, what, what uh, you talk about your show and how it came about. You just jumped right into it. It's like, it's That's what we here, do. Right? Look, you know, we were, we're just finishing out, like I said, we're just finishing out G.I. Joe Extreme. If you're a fan of G.I. Joe and you have not checked out our show, uh, what's wrong with you? Like, seriously, what life decisions that were bad and wrong did you make to not be checking out Knowing Is Half the Podcast? And if it's been a long time since you've heard it, let me tell you, not much has changed. We're pretty much okay. the same terrible people uh, talking about the same nonsense. Uh, but still talking about G.I. Joe and other cartoons. And we're, you know, we're having a good time with it. If we didn't enjoy doing the show, we probably would have stopped doing it by now. Uh, and I, I I feel like because we're all three of us completionists, we want to, we want, I didn't, when we started, we we're completionists. So we knew that I didn't know there was this much G.I. Joe. So mm -hmm. now we're just committed. We're like, you know, in the poker realm, we're pot committed. We're pot committed to seeing this through to the river which is going to be like six more seasons from now. <laughs> so now before you get into Sigma six, there's those standalone movies. We're watching them. Right. Oh, good, good. I'm just making sure that you're aware of, you know, spy troops and Valor oh, versus Venom and Ninja and battles. Kind of Ninja battles. You've named all three. I, I bought all three of them on DVD. So I, have, I, I went on an eBay streak. It was literally, I think it was earlier this year. I didn't know these, these existed. And I just sort of randomly was just like looking up G.I. Joe on Wikipedia like I do. And then I was like, oh, there's all these other videos. Oh, right. And you so I went and you should have reached out. I could have saved you a couple bucks. You know, I'm happy I own this. I, I would be I, I feel good about ownership. Now, will I, I ask I you to please send digitized copies to my co-host so we don't have to worry about managing this? <laughs> yes, I will. I will ask that right now. Please do that. I, I uh, probably would have just sent them to you, Ray. It probably yeah. wouldn't have been a, a borrow kind of deal. Uh, how dare you? These are, I'm, I'm assuming all three of these are gold. No, you could have saved that money and bought Entertainment One. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> no, I think this is a good $8.10 spent. So I'm happy keeping this market alive. There you go. There you go. Good. <laughs> did, you, did, you pay, did you pay sticker price or did you haggle them a little bit? It's eBay. Uh, I eBayed everything. So I just did buy it now. That seems reasonable. Click. That, you know, I'm a very easy pushover when it comes to uh, sales. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to $2 DVDs, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
you know, and also we did some of the, I don't know if you guys talk about this on the show, but the, the find your fate, choose your own adventure, GI Joe books. I don't know if you guys, we've read, we've read through, I keep buying them because I have an addiction problem. Look, and those are fun books. Yes. I, I now own, I owned a bunch of them when I was a kid and they're lost right. in the sands of time in a box at my parents' house, maybe water damaged. I don't know, but I've been just rebuying them again and I've got more than half of them. And we read them as special episodes sometimes where I let my co-hosts make the decisions and, uh, or one, I think we've done them for Patreon or Patreon uh, as well. Uh, knowing patreon.com slash knowing is half the podcast. Go there. Give us money. Okay, great. I did that. Um, and we let, we that, had a that's live why, show. That's why I didn't day. watch your stream last night, right? It's because I didn't want to give you any money. I mean, literally $1, Mike. What's I actually, uh, truth be told, I just oh. didn't see your tweet about it until this morning. So. Sorry. The good news is I am a lazy tweeter, Ray. We went over this on your show. I'm a lazy tweeter. It's all true. And it's all okay. I I mean, it's fine. Uh, I posted it all. I want people, I want people on the Patreon, but there's no expectation of anybody to do the Patreon. It's more of like, do you want to, you know, you want to do a little extra? Uh, That helps us. That helps us uh, do things. It helps. Honestly, the Patreon from Knowing Us at the Podcast allowed us to uh, re-up all our equipment so we sound much better now. We all got fancy mics as a direct result of the Patreon. So the people there, it's like, if you want to help the show, that is how you help the show. But at every anytime somebody leaves the Patreon uh, uh, and, you know, and quits, I'm sort of like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> you know, like, I don't, there's no anger right. about it. There's no, right. it's just like, man, I appreciate you being here at all. Most right. people didn't. So thank you for being here for any period whatsoever. And if you want to go, man, there are no hard feelings at all. No, not I, at all. It's, you know, I would like, love everybody to stay, but like, you know, it's shoot. not like they're screaming for a refund on the way out. So, no, you, you, I mean, you, you got what you wanted. It's kind of yeah. weird, though. We re-upped our equipment and we sound worse. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm in. I we are actually. I'm in the research phase of of re-upping equipment for folks. So we're we're almost there. Mike, I can tell you. I'll, I'll tell. Here's the deal. When we're done here today, I will tell you all of the stuff I have. It's so good. I bought it for work purposes. I got my uh in place of my my previous place of employment to buy it for me all again. So I have a second run of it uh, here when I need it because I really believe in this sound equipment and I think oh, it works God. very very well. Thank God. I, I, you know, it's, it's a, a hole in our production that I just don't know anybody who knows anything good about this stuff. So I, I, I it, haven't, it is, I have it an okay expensive. microphone. It's, it's, it's a little bit pricey. I, they, my, my, you know, I work in the world of video games as many right. people know. And my previous destination was a wonderful uh, place called Nifty Games and they worked on mobile sports titles. So I worked on a game called NFL Clash and I appeared as a forward-facing member of that uh, team uh, known as Coach Ray. And so for a group of people, I was known as Coach Ray, and that's fantastic. And I made videos. I made videos for them uh, for strategy videos. Like, hey, you know, here's here's some things you can look at in the game. Here's the way the cards work together. Uh, here's some things you can try on the field, and it, we think it will work out for you, right? And they said, can you make these videos with these mics we have? And I looked over, and they were $15 usb microphones that make made you sound like you were inside of a trash can and it's just yeah it was i i went ahead and i did a recording from home using my home setup and i and i and i did it then i did the same recording with the mic they wanted i put it in front of them and i said do you notice a difference and they were like yes we do i go then buy me my home equipment (laughs) nice Nice. Um, but yeah, we'll hook you up. Like I say, it's not cheap, but like once you get it, you're in. You're good. All right. We'll 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 chat after this. Definitely. I mean, we will anyway, but you know, I'm sure, absolutely. 
know. Um, I, I've I've let you into our circle, so like now you're kind of stuck with me at this point. Mm-hmm. Don't I know you, it? The, the the three of you are, and I apologize for that. I I I, I am uh, I'm a lazy tweeter, but if I see if I see the tweet, then I'm going to respond. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's great. Uh, question number two of two of five dumb questions. Um, how did GI Joe fit into your early years? And what was it about G.I. Joe that got you excited when you were a kid? Oh man, that is an excellent question. Boy, this is this is a real uh, this is a real Oprah situation. I promised I wouldn't cry, but I don't well, know we, anymore. We will make you cry. If nothing else, yeah. uh, Mark Weber, who is six foot three and, and two hundred forty pounds, will fly to your house and punch you. That's that's the deal. Does he normally punch larger people? It's usually Joe, but she's not here. Yeah, so Joe Colton's fair. Joe Colton's the heavy. She Joe's she. She's the muscle. Yeah, we, we uh, <laughs> bites the, the brains. I'm just eye candy, really. Right. It, it's yeah. uh, the cruiserweight champ. To to give you can go poorly. But, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, when you were a kid, Ray, yeah, what, what pulled you into GI Joe? What what kept you there? Man, GI Joe was my number one. You know, people talk about like, oh, I was a big Transformers fan, and I liked this other stuff. For me, it was GI Joe. Right. GI Joe was my number one, two, and three. Um, man, so many things to talk about here. You know, I, I grew up, my dad was a big time, uh, war gamer. He was, he was really into the world of like the Avalon Hill board games. Uh, he was, he was, he worked in computers in the, in the seventies before mm-hmm. computers really were sort of like a thing when people thought it was still a fad, like he was a computer guy. And so I grew up at a very young age, despite my extremely old age, uh, with a computer in the house, which a lot of people did not, uh, in the early eighties, you know? And so I grew up playing a lot of war games, a lot of board games, a lot of that kind of stuff of that era. And so when it came to war stuff, I thought of it as fun, <laughs> You're right? Not terrible, you know, not uh, real world consequences. It was more of like strategy and fun. So when G.I. Joe came out as a property, uh, you know, of the age that I was, it was pretty young. It was like, yeah. This is right up my alley. This is a bunch of colorful characters. They're fighting. You can see how the the two sides are working against each other, and they're both loaded with personality. Uh, the the plots are over the top and fun, like you know. And I'm learning about the United States of America because they make references to where the people are from, and you kind of learn what stereotypical people from those places sound like and are acting like. You know, I learned everything I needed to know about Boston because of Blowtorch. That's just how it worked, you know? Or, I'm sorry, he's from Tampa, Florida. It was right. barbecue was the barbecue one, obviously. Florida. But uh, officially, like, Blowtorch should have been the one for Boston. Let's just keep it real. Uh, and uh, Straight out of Tampa. <laughs> how could I get that wrong? Anyway, my point is, I uh, that the Viper is coming. Like, please. That is, the, that, the I like everything about Boston. Tampa. Yeah, the Irish quarter. Listen, Tampa's is like 1% Irish, but that 1% is Blowtorch. Zartan um, and his lads laid us out low. <laughs> oh, God, Blowtorch. Big fan. <laughs> Big fan of that character. Um, so like growing up, like uh, the ne- my next door neighbor, the- there was a guy in like high school who lived next door to me when I was say like, oh I don't know, I was nine or ten years old, and he was probably sixteen, and he had a bunch of GI Joes, except he was only into Cobra because I'm assuming he was a terrible person. Looking probably. back on it now, mm. uh, but he only had Cobra, and he bought Joe vehicles but put Cobra stickers on them, and so he used to sell me his Joe figures you know, for like one to $5 a pop or whatever the heck it was. And I would just, anytime I got money, I would go over there and I'd buy some of his Joe figures on top of the new Joe figures I was getting as a kid in vehicles. Right. So I ended up 
doing a whole thing. And as a gamer, as a kid, I created my own G.I. Joe miniatures game based on taking the figures, rolling dice, keeping track of stats. We would go on missions. We would try to do things. It's no wonder I ended up working for the Warhammer people. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, <laughs> this is just where it was going. You so know? It sounds like you beat them to the punch. Right? Oh my gosh, yeah. So I invented my own very crude uh, role-playing, uh, or I'm sorry, miniatures role-playing game. And it was great. And we had a good time with it. And I had all the figures, all the vehicles. I would never miss an episode. I remember very vividly taking like 30, 40 of my Joe figures and sitting them on the coffee table towards the TV so we could all watch the show together. And when like the person, the character who was the, the lead character of the episode was on, I remember being like, dude, it's yours. You got this. Barbecue. You got this. That, the Viper's coming. You got it. That had to be awkward since you were like 20 at the time. No, I was 35 at the time. Uh, <laughs> okay, all right, all right. No, I was all probably right. about nine or ten. Like I said, uh, when GI Joe was on TV on the reg, uh, I was about nine or ten years old, which is like that's the age they wanted. You know, I was right in that back in then that wheelhouse. What they back yeah. then? Back then? No, right now they're looking for old ass me. Yeah, that's they're looking, looking for. No, and I'm buying. They're right. looking for the same demographic. <laughs> oh, is that right? Here's no, the deal: the same kids. Oh, so the, the same, same people. Same, not the same demographic. Yeah. Look. I'm not trying to say anything about anything, but hold, hold on a sec. I bought this. I bought this Dr. Mindbender G.I. Joe Pop as a gift for Robert Clark Chan. He's been to my house three times since I bought this, and I have not given it to him yet. Um, on my desk at the video game company I currently work at, I have Cobra Commander figures. I've got G.I. Joe Pops. I've got, I bought the, uh, the, the, the new, the new GI Joe series had snake eyes dressed as a Cobra soldier from pyramid of darkness. And yeah, I bought that. And then I found out they made the clown trooper from the games master episode, the ice Viper, the snow Viper. What was it called? The snow Viper as a clown. Snow from surfing, the game. Yes. Yeah. I went on eBay and bought that immediately. That's at my desk. I have Tomax and Zamot writing the night landing raft which is one of my favorite. I can't explain why that kid is so cool, but it is. It's so darn cool with the, with the oars and the, and the, the oh my gosh. So Tomax and are writing that on my desk right now. My point I'm trying to make is I go way back with this property. I just absorb it, inhale it. I remember when the movie came out, disappointed it wasn't in theaters. And I don't need to rehash that story. Your audience and you guys, you know that story right. 10 times to Sunday by now. Um, but yeah, and it's it, so I, I just grew up loving this property and, uh, my, I remember, uh, I remember asking my dad when I was a kid, I said, look, when I get a license plate, when I'm old enough, I want my license plate to say GI Joe. And my dad sort of laughed and looks at me and goes, well, that might not be what you want when you get older, but you know, but it is, it is still it. what I want and I haven't done it yet. Uh, so he was wrong. Take that dad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're you you're in California, me. man. You got how many millions of people to to oh, contest with it there? There's no way somebody hasn't done it already. Uh, yeah, Daryl Dupriest did it in Rhode Island. That used to be his whip. Yep, GI yeah. Joe pulling right into that Hasbro parking lot. <sighs> there was one time I, I, I was uh, driving from here to St. Louis, and um, I pulled into a, a Walmart halfway through. It used to be where I would stop and stretch my legs uh, in Effingham, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And uh, I parked once next to uh, the Illinois plate Zartan. That's and, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> took took pictures of that plate immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so uh, you know you you don't you don't post that online necessarily because I don't need people 
I don't need somebody getting their license plate stolen or anything. But you know, yeah. Was, if your license plate is Zartan, you're not concerned about getting it stolen, right? Did you, nobody knows if it really says Zartan. It could say anything. Did right. you run into? Did you run into Zach in the Walmart or? <laughs> no, he he would have probably been the Zartan with like the Seattle Seahawks oh, uh, fa- vanity plate would have would have been his. I tell you the but, the best one. I I still think about this a lot. I was in Thousand Oaks, California, at a drive-through, and the guy in front of me had a license plate that said Stink One Eighty Two. <laughs> STNK 182. And I remember thinking to myself at the time, like, I know Blink 182 is a band, and I know they're a band some people really like and some people really don't like. I can't imagine making it core to my identity that I dislike this band so much that I actually paid for a license plate. Right. So people would know I don't care for this band. Right. That's, I mean, like, like, there's trolling, and then there's maybe, maybe get help. You know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You can there, you can overcommit to the bit. Yes. Yeah. There, there's a guy out here in Rhode Island who drives a black Jeep Wrangler with as much Celtics gear on it as you possibly can have, except the spare tire cover on the back is a blown up picture of LeBron James' face crying. And I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> <Respect>. <laughs> totally <laughs> right. Man. That one and the other good one, I saw a fan at a, a <laughs> video of a fan at a Flyers game. Rough crowd in Philly, right? Walking in the upper deck wearing a, 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 a Maple Leafs jersey. And oh, I'm like, boy. oh, my God, they're going to throw him over, right? They're going to go over the railing, yeah. But as he's walking up the steps, every the fans in front of him are giving him the finger and booing him. And the fans behind him are cheering him. And he's winning over Philly fans every step he comes up. And then he comes up. And the jersey is number 67. And I'm like, who the hell is 67 Toronto? And then he turns around in front of the camera and the nameplate says, no cup since. Oh. And I'm like, you dropped like 300 bones on a custom jersey just to make fun of Toronto. Dude. That's so funny. You know, uh, as a Lions fan, uh, I used to have season tickets to Ford Field uh, back when I lived there. Uh, many lives ago Sorry. and there were people that would buy uh number 57 lions jerseys and on the back it would say rebuilding since <laughs> and those uh, are the fans and they, there'd be like six seven eight in a row wearing those at the game so i don't know why they don't just sell that in the store at this point we were there uh in the, when i worked for mcfarland toys we made sports toys we were there for a Super Bowl, the one the uh, the Steelers Seahawks. Oh, Super Bowl good Super Bowl Detroit. Seahawks, yeah. Good, good game, and we drove by a church that actually had a marquee where they could change the letters on the front of it, and it said, uh, "Here, welcome to Detroit, where we're grateful for the Tigers and the Red Wings, and we pray for the Lions." Yeah, yeah no, that's I get it. You've accurately described it. The thing is, like, look, I, I grew up a Detroit fan. I'm from Detroit originally, uh, the Detroit metro area, I should say. If I say I'm from Detroit, people are like. You're not from the city proper. I'm like, look, Detroit is a mindset. It's a zone. You don't have to be from a certain border to say you're a Detroiter, all right? Just stop right there. So I'm from outside Detroit by a few miles. Um, Eight miles. Eight miles. I grew up on six mile. This is what I'm trying to say, right? right? So like, you know, not a big deal, but it's like five miles outside of Detroit on the west side. You know, that's fine. Um, But uh, uh, we love, you know, uh, all our sports. Detroit, you know, the, known as Hockey Town. We have a big thing with the Tigers. 
But I'll tell you right now, Detroit is a football town and nobody knows it because we've had no reason to show it. Right. Uh, The day the Lions actually find a way, if they were to actually win the Super Bowl, that city would lose its bleeping mind. Like, I know for a fact you'd find me naked in a ditch somewhere 15 miles from my house, and I wouldn't know where I was. That is the level of of, of calamity, uh, but joyful calamity, that would happen uh, if the Lions ever won the Super Bowl. And it's because in my lifetime, right, You know, I've seen the Pistons win three titles. I've right. seen the Red Wings win five titles. I've seen the Tigers win one title and make the World Series a couple of times. And I've seen the Lions one time make it to the NFC championship game and lose by 40 points, you know? So it's just, it's not the same thing. It's Detroit, you know, for, because of the lions, unfortunately in recent, you know, times are not good for Detroit sports fans. I know it, uh, but we have a, there's a legacy of winning titles in Detroit and it goes back a long time. And the lions have not won since 1957, uh, as we all know, predating the Super Bowl era by a few years. And and it's you know and it and it sucks you know it, it it's a team that everybody wants to be good and they just can't they're just unlucky they just can't figure it out it's just they get great players and then nothing happens and we all wonder like why why is nothing happening why have we won one playoff game in my entire lifetime <laughs> one in 1992 we beat the Dallas Cowboys at home after right. winning the NFC. Central. That's how you long had Chris ago Spielman. It was. That's why Chris mm. Spielman from Aaron Ohio. Sanders. From Ohio State, as I recall. Listen, oh. listen. We don't talk about that aspect. Sorry of Chris about Spielman. that. We Sorry don't. about that. We He's love. Here's the deal. We love Chris Spielman, except for one day a year. Right. <laughs> He's a Detroit guy. Yeah, he is. He's become a Detroit guy. You know, we. we he still holds his uh, uh, poisonous nut uh, roots, and that's fine. Um, we, we, we do hold it against him, but we love him the other days of the year. Chris Spielman is a real G and he's meant a lot to our community. And I have nothing bad to say about him except for, you know, why'd you lower yourself to go to Ohio state? I, well, I, they paid for it. It's fine. To be fair. He got paid great when he was there. You know, right. Everybody right. knows that. And he, and he came to Michigan for rehab. I'm so uh, that's, that's right. To rehab his image. His image. I'm, yeah. I'm proud of you for speaking well of his poisonous nuts. <laughs> That's right. Look, I, I I don't want any Ohio State players on my team. I just don't want them. And I know they're good. Often they're good. At certain positions, they're good. Not quarterback. <laughs> Not normally, no. No. You know, I mean, that's fine. You know, you can have you can have your Ohio State quarterback from the last 30 years, but you can't because they're not in the league anymore. So sorry. Good luck, Justin Fields. We just beat you. I'm here to talk trash about the Chicago Bears here on What's on Joe Mind podcast that's all i came here to do yeah no no bears fans no No, we're only going to talk yankees baseball that's pretty much where we keep it so now do you spell yankees the proper way with the dollar signs in there or is it (laughs) yeah because mike because mike illich had no money at all mike illich spent some money and he spent it pretty well when he was there um his son is an absolute waste of time Hmm. this guy this guy is probably the only other person who would sink twitter faster is Mike Illich's son. <laughs> Holy crap. What that'd an incompetent a, boob. That'd be a fun race to watch. <laughs> race to the bottom. Who can bankrupt Twitter faster? Problem is we all lose when that happens. Right. So anyways, Ray, uh, you stupid question number three. You, you oh, listed, I forgot we're doing that. Yeah. Right, right. Look, hey, somebody's got to keep track of this, right? 
I guess. I, I'm the I'm the smart ass who hits buttons. I I have to do. It's my one job. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's right here on it. the run. It's right here on the rundown. Right. There's no. Oh, you guys got a rundown. No. Shoot. No. I sh- I Shanghai. Right. Not for, not for three years. I don't think. But okay. <laughs> Wait, look, I tried, and then you guys didn't read it anyway. I read it. You did not. Eh, you're probably right. I I know I'm right because I would say, well, let's move on, and you'd be like, to what? <laughs> no, knowing how these formats work, Mark did read it 45 minutes into the episode when you shamed him for not reading it. Probably and even did. then, it was a mere glance, and then he forgot about yeah, it immediately. It just, am, I, just, am I right about that? Not much of a reader, to be honest. You know? Yeah, who like, reads? Let me can on. I can I tell you right now who reads books? This ain't I mean, an, you this know ain't what? an audio book. Thank you. Books have for had talkers, it for radio. People. Books have been riding high and mighty for far too long. And I'm here to say we live in a TV movie audiobook, audio drama, podcast era. Who needs books anymore? Can you imagine reading a book in the year 2022? What's as, wrong with you? As the great Egon Spengler said in 1985, print is dead. Thank you. There you it's go. Dead. It's dead. Look, I, look I, I, know, I know books are great. For, you know, books are great for creating source material for real media. That's what books are great for. But if when somebody sits there and tells me, I read seven books on my vacation, I said, why does no one like you? You know, right. I'm just like, why, are, why, why don't people want to hang out with you? Like, there's obviously something inherently wrong because you're reading seven books over a week. That's not okay. That's not okay, people. You think it makes you smart. And that's what makes it not okay. I but like read, my brother, my brother, are, go ahead, Mark. I was just saying my brother reads all the time. And I counter to, yeah. oh, I read, you know, 10 books last you know week. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. wow, were any of them good enough? They'll make a movie out of it. <laughs> just let me know. <laughs> Cause I'm there, man. I got reading, two hours for a good movie. Reading skills are important because you got to be able to figure out who made the movie as there's names scrolled. By. Thank you. You need to be able to shame other people when Game of Thrones episodes come out for not knowing that that person was in the casket the whole time, right? Like that's that's the only reason to read as I found. Look, and I'm somebody with a five-year-old at home who reads 30 to 40 books a week. Now, you might say that these, these Dr. Seuss, you might say that these Pete the Cat, Peppa Pig, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, The Pigeon, Oh, the great pigeon from Mo Willems. This is all we're reading. I read a lot of books per week, and I am telling you right now, don't do it. You Look, might think these books are not up to your standards. These books are better than anything you've read uh, with with naughty parts in it. How dare you? Right. No, you're getting all the life lessons you need out of those Dr. Seuss books. You're good. Thank you. The Butter Battle book taught me everything I need to know about geopolitical uh, spectrums. <laughs> So anyways, dumb question number three, right? Oh, I forgot we're doing that. Yeah. <laughs> what else are you a fan of? Me? Right. No, I'm a fan of a lot of things. I, I like everything. My whole deal is I don't, I used to be a different person many lives ago. I used to be an, a more angry person. I used to be a much uh, less self-centered person. That's a lie. Um, I used to be somebody yeah, that's difficult. who, who thought it, who thought you'd make your way in this life by disliking things and by just tearing them down and by, and by being just the hottest take on the, on the, on the Twitter in 2000, you know, 10, but like, that's not the way everybody, if you walk so around, you were an making, asshole is what you're saying. 
Yes, that's basically. Look, you didn't like. You you can read between the lines here. I don't need to spell it out for you. Yeah. I was more pleasant back then. My point I'm trying to make here is that young people listening right now, that's not the way. You should never make your life about what you don't like. What even is that? Because if you strip that away, there is nothing left behind. If right. your entire life is about what you're against, you're not for anything, and you're a loser. And you're the guy with the stink 182 problem. license plate. That's right. Thank you. You have a or stink that. 182 license plate at Burger King. And a no and cup the, since 67 Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. No, that's Thank awesome. you. That's, that's awesome. just embarrassing. Could you, that Could you imagine being a fan of a team that hasn't won since 67? Oh, God. We remind Joe Colton, who is Canadian, that uh, when they want the Stanley Cup back, just let us know. We've had it forever. <laughs> it's getting kind of old. I do. As long as no Canadian team wins the cup, I'm generally happy. You know, that's fine. Because they want it more than we do. This is like a Michigan-Ohio State thing. They that, want it so much more than we do. I just like denying them it. That whole that whole cup ownership thing hasn't been a problem since like 94. Yeah, for, right. 94. For, for us. That. So their, their, they, national, their national pastime is maybe our sixth biggest sport. Right. So if they want to borrow what I like to call America's Cup. I like that. <laughs> I like that. They can, they can see it on weekends, like you know, the boat a, a deadbeat dad. A deadbeat dad. Yeah, you can see him on weekends. Fine. Can we just rename it instead of Lord Stanley's Cup, President Obama's Cup? Can we just go ahead and do that? Because it may as well be. They're not going right. to win. Since Maybe Obama we'll, was president. we'll just call it the Iserman. Oh, oh. See, you're getting me on board real fast see? with that. Yeah. Big fan. Big fan of Sergey Fedorov. Big fan of uh, Steve Iserman. Darren McCarty. Look, I love all the old uh, uh, Martin LaPointe. I like all the old Claude, Claude Lemieux. Oh, you almost got me to say a bad word right there. Hang How on. dare you? Just How out. Chris Draper's mouth wants words with you after you said that out loud on this show. Yeah, How dare you? Can't blame him. No, he's a terrible person. <laughs> if you if you were a member of the Colorado Avalanche at that time, you were a terrible person. That's just, I'm sorry, that's just the truth. And you can have them on as guests and you should just let them know they're terrible people. Like if your name is Claude Lemieux or Patrick Roy, you're a terrible person. That's all there is. Joe Sackick, more like Joe Butt. Am I right? Thank you. They they were on the list for 2023 on our GI Joe. Don't podcast, book them. Total a holes. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, say. well, I'll I'll take that to the bank. Yeah. Um, call call up Forsberg. Tell him to stick it. Thank you. Terrible. <laughs> we're talking to Keith Primo instead. Right. You get Brendan Shanahan on the show. Stat. That's what I'm trying well, to say. Um. <laughs> But you asked me what I like. I'm a big fan of gaming. I've been a, I grew up a long-time gamer. I said that before. Video games, board games, miniatures games, all of the above. You know, my current uh, job is working in video games, and I have for the last five years. Before that, I ran a games workshop Warhammer store here in California for eight years straight nice. before that. Uh, so I've been I've really dedicated my life, uh, as it's become, into uh, gaming. It's really been sort of the, 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 the featured point of my life. I think gaming brings people together. Uh, I think gaming really works the brain in a way that your books don't. And I think that uh, and I think that gaming is really like what what unites us. It, you know, turning things into a game is it, making it fun, right? That's what it is. Uh, life should be fun. And so gamifying things, I think is what is what we should all be doing all the time about everything. Why would you take something seriously when you could be playing a game instead? My goodness, respect the game and have fun. Uh, that's my whole thing. So I, I love I love GI Joe. I love uh, cartoons. I like I like all the thing. I like toys. I've got plenty of these uh, pop figures lying around. Uh, you know, including, I've most recently got one technically stolen from Robert Clark Chan. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I bought it, so I haven't stolen it. I look, I paid for it, and I told him he was here for trick or treating with his family, and we all went around the block, and we were all suffering from food poisoning. By we all, I mean me and my wife, and so uh, I, I made it work because I'm a trooper, and uh, we we went uh, we went around, and I told him afterwards, like, how did I not give you your toy while you were here? That's embarrassing. Um, but yeah, so I've worked on a lot of cool games. You know, I, I don't know if that's a future question, but like I, I in video games, I've worked on some amazing projects. You know, I've worked on, uh, I worked at Square Enix. I worked on Octopath Traveler, a JRPG that a lot of people really like. I worked on Final Fantasy X Remaster for the Xbox, uh, which I'm really happy with. That's a, one of my favorite Final Fantasy games. And I've worked on Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is a little indie project most people don't know about. No, uh, never heard of it. Yeah, my name is in the credits of that game if you ever want to go finish it. And then I worked on uh, Apex Legends uh, from Respawn, which is like the biggest game on the planet most of the time. And now I work at Riot Games on a game called League of Legends, which is the number one played esport in the entire world. Like, I like being part of the big time stuff. I guess you could say I would play for the Yankees if given the choice. Right. This sucks. I hate admitting that out loud. But it that's sounds the reality. like you already are, Ray. I, I hate to break it to you, but it sounds mm. like you're already there. <sighs> it's upsetting. Kind of an I'm asshole, not, right? I'm not happy mm. about this. No, no, I still, used to be. Used to be. Not anymore. No, sounds like please. you're still there. Still, sounds like um, still I like, I'm a front runner. That's what I'll say. That's I enjoy being a front runner. No. Why I'm a great Lions fan. No, because you're, you're a Lions, Lions fan. fan. Yeah, you're not a front runner. Work. Yeah. Well, also, you know, they say like not everybody can be a Lions fan. You know, you're you're generally born into it. You don't choose it. You definitely yeah. don't choose it. Uh, but it makes you tougher. It really does. Right. It makes like, like people will, people will come after you, especially you know doing the Who Would Win show, uh, which I haven't think I've even mentioned at this point. But doing the Who well, Would Win I, show, I think I think that's a good segue because yeah, Who Would Win is gamifying your fandom. Yes, I mean that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I look. People have accused me of uh, uh, talking too much. Can you believe it? No. I, this is, I know. This is outrageous. I know. Thank God I'm so unbelievably interesting. Um, <laughs> Mark, wake up. I'm, are you kidding me? Yeah. He's got that Mountain Dew pumping. I I'm can gonna, see it. Let's go. I don't know if you can see that. There's one vein on the side of his head that yeah. just keeps throbbing. It's Fuck. incredible. It, it does up. that all the time. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm Marion Ravenwood. Like, come on. <laughs> I'm going to call you later tonight. <laughs> and you're going to be up. You're going to be like, he's East Coast, man. What the hell? Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Uh, no, so the Who Would Win show, uh, for those that don't know, and, and maybe you don't, maybe you have no idea, but uh, myself and my co-host, James Gavsey, we take fictional characters from the worlds of comic books, uh, movies, pop culture, uh, what I say, video games, you know, at TV shows, wherever we can find them, characters from fiction. And we debate in a three round uh, Lincoln Douglas style debate with points and counterpoints, who would win in a fight between these two characters. And we bring a whole bunch of unique points and we, and we have a judge on the show who's generally some sort of celebrity or comedian or something like that. And then we have them on and then they decide ultimately who won the debate that day. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty, you know, it's a big deal. A lot of people listen to the show. It's, it's like I say, we were about to hit two and a half million downloads, which seems like a lot. Uh, that's a lot, man. That's pretty lot. good. Um, We've been doing this 11 years and we have 1.4 million downloads. Mm. I, I mean, that's doing, a lot. Knowing is half the podcast and we're almost at 50,000. So the point is we, we all are playing our own games in our own way. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying that's a lot. Come it speaking is a for lot. somebody with a lot of downloads. You got yeah. a lot of downloads. 
Yeah, most of them. Let's be honest, though. Most of them are from that Yoshi versus Galactus show. That's true. Like, yeah. Let's face facts. That was a big one. That well, got mom, most of our traffic. Yep, yeah. Uh, you should probably download every episode until you find that one. That's probably That's the a good idea. To, uh, to Start, looking. <laughs> Start looking. Start um, looking. And, and so, yeah, so we, we we debate that on the show. And it's a way to take our love of comic books, movies. I bring a lot of video game characters into the show because that's my background. I brought Warhammer characters onto the show. I, I have fun with it, you know. And, and, and so it's about, it's about not just like debating and like who would win and doing like the battles everybody knows about. Like we've done Superman versus Goku, RoboCop versus Terminator, Aquaman versus Namor. Like we, we have done all the big ones. I, I really think we find our groove where we pick two characters who would never meet each other, but they're roughly the same power. And then you have a more interesting debate if it's a show not everybody's been talking about before, you know? If we're right. doing an episode that hasn't been done a million times, there's more tread on that uh, tire, you know? Yes, yeah. The uh, classics are nice. Like Make about. no mistake. You you want to bust off and do a, you know, Superman versus Goku once in a while. But for the sure. most part, the reason to listen to that show is because you're going to take something, two, two characters from as disparate places as you can accommodate and, and make right. that happen. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, uh, we did Solid Snake from the Metal Gear Solid series versus the Iron Giant from that one movie. And it's one of my favorite episodes we've ever done because that's just so unique. Who's talking about that? Nobody. Nobody. And so that's what I really like about that. You know, I, I really enjoy doing the show uh, and I enjoy winning on the show. And I don't like it when I don't win because I deserve to win every episode. Uh, and so, as you can tell, I'm, I'm a genius, and I probably should never lose. I, I don't um, know how you would win those those shows, right? Because you're very seldomly right. Well, that's an outrageous statement. And now I've seen your credibility just go straight in the toilet, unfortunately. That's um, something like, of I don't a know why you would honor, do that to yourself publicly, but here we are. That's something of a badge of honor, right? I mean, you know, you, you take what, of it what you will. Uh, yeah, what I would you, say, though, is, you know, if you have you got two and a half million downloads, right? It's boring when people agree all the time. I mm. mean, look, if you, you if you go to that show looking for agreement, you will not be uh, happy. Uh, let me say that right now. But you can check it out. Who would win show wherever you podcast. There's a lot of other who would win style shows. We are the flagship. We are the one that kind of sets the pace. Uh, the when you go searching who would win on your podcast app of choice, we're the first one that comes up with the red and yellow logo. You'll know it. Uh, Yoshi versus Galactus. Look for it. I'm sure it's there somewhere. Yeah. It sounds awesome. Uh, <laughs> and and yeah, and so uh, if you get a chance to check it out, we're at Who Would Win Show on Twitter, if that's still a thing by the time this uh, airs. Um, but whowouldwinshow.com. And there's, you know, you can find us. You can find us if you try to find us. You can find us. There you go. And that's all the stuff I'm into, except there's probably so much more. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, there is one notable exception that you've left out to this point, and that brings Which us to one? dumb question number four. Oh, great. Uh, why podcasting? People told me I have a face for radio. <laughs> I could see that, yeah. Certainly yeah. got a scalp for it. Yeah, definitely. Look, you need a lot of hair to be in uh, on television. Um, you know, uh, it's just the, the reality of it. Now, I normally would keep it completely freshly shaved because I look 10 years younger, I tell myself. And, 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 and I believe me, um, but what I would say is podcasting is great. I did a lot of radio back when I was younger in my college days. I ran a college radio station. I didn't run it, but I, you know, kind of ran it. Uh, I had a radio show on Saturday night, uh, playing all the tunes, uh, of the nineties. And then I did a comedy radio show for three hours every Saturday night called the Lunatarium, where I fell in love with the audio medium. 
Growing up, I had records all over the house. My dad was really a, a fan of records and record comedy. So we had a lot of fire sign theater. We had a lot of stand-up albums. Uh, 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 hate to say it now, but a lot of Bill Cosby albums. But they really did. They 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 affected me. They they created a comic sensibility in me um, at the time. But you know, listening to those fire sign theater albums and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio show, the one that predates the hated novels. They're not hated. They're great. But my point is, uh, <laughs> audio. The audio medium's always been attractive to me. You know. And so when radio died, and let's face it, it did. And then came back as as podcasting, um, I wanted to get on board. I wanted to do it. So I immediately found a podcast partner that predates all of this uh, called Brent Pope, who has been on the Who Would Win show many times since then. He is the executive VP of Who Would Win now. And we did for four or five years, we did a sports talk comedy uh, podcast where we would just talk about the events of the day and the games that just happened and give picks and do the thing and basically learn how to podcast through that. And that was the precursor to knowing is half the podcast. That's where we ended up going from there. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of the audio medium. You know, I haven't mentioned even once yet, but I wrote, produced, and uh, appeared in a audio drama, uh, Vampire the Masquerade Reclaimed Detroit. A, an audio drama that's currently five episodes in. Uh, it's really unbelievable. I got a lot of my VO friends to come and be a part of it who were nice enough to say yes. I couldn't believe how few people said no to me. Uh, so there's this amazing cast of uh, people on, on the show uh, talking about vampires in Detroit in the 1990s, because that's what I know. And it's based <laughs> on a role-playing campaign that I ran oh. for my friends back in 1999 and 2000. Uh, so a lot of the framework of that and the character archetypes come from that original campaign that I actually played through and was the dungeon master or storyteller of. And I wanted to tell these stories. I thought there was some meat on this bone. I thought it was something to tell and something to do. And I was fortunate enough, there's all original music in there uh, from Sean Gould, who's a, a personal friend and somebody who I asked to write one song for me. And he said, look, I don't know if I could write one song for you. How about I just like write all original music for your entire show? <laughs> That's a good friend. Twi twist Not your bad. arm. Not twist bad. I arm. said, I would never, I know how much work that is and I would never ask you to do it. But if you're offering, I will say yes immediately. Uh, a few months later, Sean got hired as the lead composer of Warner Brothers Music. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's not like good. he's, he's a pretty talented guy is what I'm trying to say. Pretty good. So like the music is unbelievable on the show, the voice acting, I got all these tremendous voice actors, prolific voice actors, uh, uh, you know, uh, on the show and they all just would do it. And, and so, and all you have to do is the, you get buoyed down by my writing. Sure. Um, but that's fine. Like they, 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 they overcome my writing to put out a great show and I'm still in the works of finishing season one. I really only plan to do the five episodes and see if anybody would listen and people have, um, but if you're interested, if this sounds like a thing you'd like to check out, if you like vampire stuff uh, and, and original audio dramas, then uh, uh, go to VampireDetroit.com or at VampireDetroit on Twitter, if that's still a thing. And uh, and check it out. Right, I, I think it's a show it people would generally like. it has not collapsed on itself by the time of airing. Yeah, it, it's very possible that uh, Twitter is not a thing by the time you hear this. Uh, and that's week. fine. Right. That's fine. It's very possible. Uh, yeah, it's not going to take – this weekend might be it as we record right. this, so – you know, but yeah, I, I I think you know even even if you don't know a lot about the world of Vampire the Masquerade, I wrote it for people that don't know anything about that world. But it doesn't sound expositional. It's more of like I'm going to explain this concept, 
but through the lens of a character talking about how they feel about this concept, right? And so uh, I, I tried to make good choices, and I th- and I think I think the show paid off, and people have generally responded pretty well to it. So I want to find a bigger audience. So more than anything else I've done, you should go listen to that if you're still with me right now. I'm sure that the large segment of our of our audience uh, that falls into the category of goth weirdo is mm-hmm. all over it. I think there's two big circles that intersect uh, as far as all that goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got we got a guy named Goth Weirdos. Yeah, we got got a guy named Superhead. Look for him. (laughs) Into it. Let's go, Superhead. I need that five star review. Let's go, Superhead. Yeah, Superhead, looking at you right now. Come on, man. Come on over, VampireDetroit.com. Look, Goth Weirdo is my favorite kind of person. Right. I'm gonna say like he'll be there once he's done getting that T-shirt over his head. Finally, right. Once he can get his head through the door. Yep. Into it. Look, you give me gaming nerd and goth weirdo. Those are my two favorite people in the world. Give me both of them. I'm in. <laughs> Can't beat it. Can't unstoppable combination. No, nah, I mean, look, I, this is this is this is me at a at a core. It's incredible. Is there a particular reason why your two co-hosts from Knowing Us Half the Podcast hate yeah. this project? They don't hate it. Robert Clark Chan was in the show. And Gina Ippolito, look, if you don't know Gina Ippolito, um, she's a TV writer uh, and a good one. And she's written for like regular show. She wrote for The Unicorn, which is a show that was on CBS for a couple of seasons. Uh, did great with that. Uh, the Murphy Brown reboot she got to be a part of. And she's, uh, you know, she's always working. Even when she's not working, she's if she's working, she's putting in 40 hours. If she's not working, she's putting in 60. That's right. basically like she's she's just she's incredible. An absolute superstar. And um, I made a point when I wanted to put this show together to not involve TV's Gina Ippolito at all. And that was a conscious choice because she's an obvious and fantastic resource, but I've talked to her enough to know that she doesn't have time to deal with other people's nonsense. Right. And so I very specifically have never asked her to read anything, never bounced an idea off of her, never even asked her to listen to the show. I don't think she has listened to the show and she told me, you've never asked me to. And I'm like, you should want to. <laughs> like, I don't, I would feel weird because I know, how, I know how she spends her time and it's very, it's, it's important. And so I just like, if you, if you, if you feel like it, you should listen to it, but I'm, I'm not going to, even as a friend, I'm not going to ask you to listen to it. Um, because you know, uh, that's just not how I roll because uh, she even named her personal company, pick your brain productions as a running gag of how many people came out of the woodwork to pick her brain over coffee and essentially ask her to do a whole bunch of writer stuff for free. And it's not good. That's not cool guys. Don't do that. If you know, actual working people in this field, uh, be nice to them, but leave them alone, you know, or, or pay them or pay them. (laughs) Yeah. Especially pay them. Do that. Pay the woman. Mark, you're right. Pay her. As soon as people figure out you have a skill like that, I can't tell you how many times that I, I, I've said, oh, yeah, I'm on a podcast that people start, oh, I've been thinking about that. Would you be interested in editing? No. Oh, my no, God. I, nope. I really would not. No. No. I don't. I, I used to do editing for other people's podcasts, but that was that was a different that was a different life when I had considerably less money. Right. Did <laughs> and they I pay needed you? gigs. Did they know, pay oh, you? yeah. Oh, if, oh, if you're not asking them to pay you, I don't know what you're doing. Like, right. You, gotta, right. you ask for too much. And then they'll do it, and you're like, "Well, I guess I'm doing this now." Uh, that's that's generally, and that that's the only way to go in life. By the way, if somebody right. asks you to do something that you could totally do but don't want to, ask for too much money. So that way, inevitably, 
they're probably going to say no. But if they say yes, it's still worth your time. Right, right. That's some age-old wisdom right there, right? If, right you're good at, if you're really good at something, never do it for free. Never right. do it for free. Are you yeah. kidding me right now? Yep. Uh, I, you know, please. Uh, by the way, when am I getting paid for this? Right? Oh, checks in the, <laughs> checks in the mail. Oh, excellent. Okay, Oh, great. yeah. Yeah, you got my PayPal, so go ahead and send it over. Yeah, yeah, or is that no, going no, no. down too now? You're going to get an email from a Nigerian prince any second. No, now, it's literally a check. Oh, literally a check. A literal a check. check in the literal mail. Yeah. Right. We don't we don't Oof. do electronic stuff. That's far too rough. easy for you to actually get and and cash. That's right. That, that feels rough. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> so the ultimate upshot of all of this is VampireDetroit.com. Go check it out. Uh, if you haven't, like I say, I think it's a I think it's a pretty darn good show. I'm very proud of it, um, and I try not to be too proud of the things I do because anything can be shot down by somebody in three three word tweet. So right. you know you try not to worry about that. But uh, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm thrilled with the way the show came out. I'm excited to eventually do more uh, for people. And, and yeah, I just uh, uh, support it and make me want to write more. That's basically it, you know. Well, it's that is tough. It's, it's tough, man. It's very, very tough. Uh, uh, um, I am not the, the polished writer that Gina Ippolito is. Uh, I am a much, uh, I, previous to this, all I've written was sketch comedy. You know, I've written a lot of sketch comedy. But that means that overall, the the scripts that I've written are four to five pages at right. the most. <laughs> right. These are twenty five page through line scripts with ideas and plots that carry to the end, and it's not something that I'd done before. Um, so it's it's difficult for me to do. It takes a long time. People say, "When are there more episodes coming out?" And I'm like, "Dude, you it." I started writing the show Thanksgiving of last year. And the five episodes I got done came out in August of this year. That's right. what I'm going to tell you. It takes a long time, you know. Right. It's not. It's not some two-bit slime show like a, a What's on Joe Mind. No. Where, not where, at we, all. where we go live most of the time, or the recordings, the recorded, the few recorded episodes that we do um, can be slapped together in a week. No, these are actual, you know, polished pieces of media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These these are scripts that I went over and back to over the course of months, rewriting, changing. Uh, right. Oh, this scene sucks. Uh, we got to fix it. How are we going to add stuff here? This character. This these are scripts no that involve advanced concepts, like yes, editing. Yes. <laughs> a lot of that. What? Yes. Say again. <laughs> it's this new thing. I know it's crazy. That, it'll but, never. Um, it'll never catch on. The editing. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would say, like, I have, oh, I actually have right here. This is crazy. I have my kitty book. Now, this is my kitty book um, that has all of the, all of the, uh, the information about every episode. It's all been outlined. Every single episode of Vampire Through This is going to be a 13 episode season of which five are done. The whole thing has been outlined. Characters have had full backstories with secrets I haven't revealed yet. Right. Like, this is all just like, it's a real thing that's really happening. It's just, I wish it was faster, everybody. I know there's somebody listening right now who wants more. And I'm like, guys, I I made a joke actually on social media earlier. And I said, if I was to release the episode six and just record the one I have written right now, you all would put me in a sack and throw me in the ocean because it's awful right now. It's real, real bad. And you would be unhappy if I made it. So I got to, there's a standard of quality. I'm going to keep myself to. The cool part is no one is outside of the, the listeners. Nobody, like, there's no external money force pushing me to move faster mm-hmm. uh, or harder. So I'm just going to do it till it's right, and then I'm going to release it when it's right. And 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 that's good enough, you know? It's for me. This is a passion project for me that I care deeply about. 
I don't want to do it wrong. So check it out at vampiredetroit.com. Don't go to vampiredetroit.com. That's that a very don't no. That's that a, that's a bondage club. You don't want to go there. That means you're you're a tourist if you call yeah. it Detroit. Look, I know a lot of people from the East Coast who call it Detroit, and I don't get it, except for the fact that our announcer at Pistons games they're going Detroit basketball, and I'm sort of just like, what is that nonsense? You know, he's probably I don't from get Col- it. he's from Columbus, pretty sure. Oh, More than likely. They wouldn't hire him. Come on. Eh, probably. Got to be trolling now. Right. But you're right. If you come up to me and call it Detroit, I go, you're weird. Yeah. Get out of here with that. Come on. Nonsense. All of it. Anyway, that's my uh, answering whatever that question for was. <laughs> Somewhere in there. Sure. Look, that this does... is also how I interview for jobs. I just start talking. And if I happen to touch upon the thing you asked me, all the better. Right. No, that that's that's really a sound strategy for job interviews. Yeah, I tend to just, just wear down them interviewers. with so much information that they forget yeah. the question and you can't get it wrong. I just my wait whole for, point is yeah, go ahead, Mark. Sorry. I just wait. My favorite one, I wait for them to say, uh, tell me about a weakness of yours. And I say, probably you have to be honesty. And if they go, I don't think honesty is a weakness, I look them dead in the eye and go, I don't give a fuck what you think. <laughs> That's correct. That is a sound strategy. No, my notion is you just start talking and you just start bringing up real world examples of things you've done, whether they relate to the question or not. And if we're all just having a good time and we're laughing and we're smiling, then all you're going to remember is that I had a good time and I was laughing. And I was smiling. And that guy seems to know what's up. And that right. look, it's gotten me to where I am today. And I'm not doing bad in the worlds that I've been <laughs> rolling in. So I don't, I don't know. know. That's that's usually been been my my run on job interviews too, and it's treated me terribly. But of course, <laughs> I'm in the Midwest where people take things a little too seriously. The the, the only can't miss strategy is to have John C. Riley sit right behind you and at some oh. point go, "Hello, Miss Lady." <laughs> <laughs> Did you see in Australia? Was it Australia? Think you can have an emotional support person on uh, 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 job uh, conversations like when you're about to get fired, when they bring you in for the you're fired speech. So there was a guy who brought in an emotional support clown, an emotional support clown for the I got fired meeting. And so <laughs> there's an actual thing of this guy getting fired as there's a clown next to him with like an actual fully dressed, fully decked out with a horn. And I'll be honest, that's the best you can do with that. Like, how would you not honk, 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 like the whole time? Like, how did, how, this guy, like, he must, he must invest in a powerful wheelbarrow to be able to walk. (laughs) (laughs) It's just overalls. Overall. Man, this guy's Oshkosh Bagashes are struggling. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, that, That way you can use the strength in your upper back to help with all that testicle. Yeah, but that'll, that'll. That'll get you eventually. The last time I had that conversation at a really rotten little toy company and not, not the big one. Uh, the, the guy who shouldn't be down at my office knocked on my door and said, Hey, uh, web. And I just, I just started giggling. I'm like, all right, come on, let's go do it. Sure thing. Yeah. I remember the day I got fired from games workshop because look, I don't hide from it. I, uh, it's a sales gig. I was there for a long time. I was there for almost eight years. And at a certain point, like they want growth, 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 every stupid, dumbass company in the world, growth, growth, growth. You can never stop growing. And so eventually there came to be a time they built a second store a few miles away from me. 
And then all the people that lived around that store stopped coming to my store and started going to that store because it was closer, right? Right. Mm-hmm. That's normal business expectation. And so they were like, Ray, why are you 20% lower than you were the year before? I go, I don't know. You took away 20% of my audience by putting a store where 20% of my audience came from. I don't know. You tell me, businessman. Why am I 20% down right now? It must be because the events I'm running aren't spectacular enough. That's probably it. They didn't accept that as an answer. And anybody I've talked to who knows anything about business was like, well, they obviously gave you a full year to hit a new number and then work against those numbers, right? No, they did not. They wanted me gone. Uh, they, for whatever reason, uh, I was being rubbed out and it, it was real mafia stuff. I don't want to look games workshops, a great uh, company in many ways. Uh, not this way. So the point was, I knew I was about to get fired. I came in on that day. It was a, uh, it was a Wednesday. Cause we all were open Wednesday through Sunday. And I came in on that Wednesday, didn't even wear my uniform. Didn't bother setting anything up. I'd actually already pulled all my personal stuff out of there the weekend before. I knew I was getting fired. I knew how the numbers looked. I knew how their schedule worked. I knew I was getting fired. And my big moment was, I'm sitting there. We're about half hour before open, 20 minutes to open, something like that. And I look outside and I see the car with the two corpos, who I knew both of them. You know, I was friends with one of them. And they come over and I meet them outside. I open the door and I will never forget this because I was dared to do it, so I did. And my first words to them were the immortal words of Forrest Whitaker in the movie Star Wars Rogue uh, uh, One. And I turned to the two corpos come to fire me. And I looked at them square in the eyes as they started walking it up. And I said, have you come to kill me? There's hardly anything left. And then they did in fact fire me. I mean, you know. You know what? Here's the deal. I'm in a better place. Life is so much better now that I'm gone from there. And, And I love that place. I loved all my time there, but. Uh, obviously there's still bitter resentment. Um, but like, I still don't know why I still don't know why I'm still bitter. Um, but I am games workshop still a great place. I still go there and buy their products. Um, but, uh, uh, uh there's still some sadness there guys. And I'm guess I'm still working through it with you today. Which uh, leads us to dumb question. Number five, what's it like to be bitter at a former employer who let you go for no reason <laughs> from a job you were doing hysterically well? Mark, you wouldn't know anything about this. Um, just, I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> it turns out it's not a good feeling. Uh, when you feel like you're clicking on all cylinders and other people make decisions uh, that affect you in a negative way, and then you take all the blame for it. I would say if given that choice, don't take it. Don't yeah. take that choice if you can. Good to know. Right. Hold yeah. on. Right. Hang on a second. I'm going to write that down. Write that just, one down. That's a keeper. Case, just in case that has some value for me down the road. Seems like good advice. I could tell as I was telling my story, just watching you, Mark, nod along and be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I could tell there's some there's some pain there inside you as well. And you know what? This is a place of healing. If What's on <laughs> Joe Mind podcast is good for anything at all, personal growth and healing right. through bitter past work experience. No, I, Look, I think it, it I think I had a break breakthrough, really, uh, yeah. honestly, when, when, uh, when they said they wanted to maximize profits by year's end. And I'm like, where'd all that profit go? <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> I think I know. I got an idea. Ah, funny Weird. how that works. It, it was one of the first things I said on my first episode of this show, which was episode number three back in 2011. Wow. What's important is you're not bitter. Nope. No. So I'm way, I'm, I'm way <laughs> past bitter. bitter. Way and, past and, bitter. And, and um, it's done with the understanding that it's okay to be bitter. 
think I'm getting better though. No, because that I mean that's the thing. Demonstrably, my life since then is leaps and bounds better. I'm in a I work for a wonderful company on a wonderful product. I'm doing really good work that I can take pride in. Uh, and I'm able to do all of these external things that I also didn't necessarily have in my life, uh, like the Who Would Win show, um, you know, and, and making audio dramas, you know, and so it's like I have a, you know, I have a kid now, like every part of my life has improved as a direct result, but I still look back and I'm like, man, what a couple of assholes that really ran me over the coals and it just shouldn't have been, but like, thank, thank, thank God they did because I could still be there spinning my wheels today. And, and, and that would have not, that would have been bad for my personal growth. Right. Right. But, But like you said, it doesn't excuse the knife. Yes, you yeah, still. Right. I still got stabbed at one point. I'm still yep. Mr. Body in the conservatory, looking at Professor Plum holding the candlestick, being like, "What the f, dude?" Yeah, yeah. See, I just got the lead pipe when I last time I got laid off. So, no, I mean, here's the deal: the lead pipe, you know, uh, equal to candlestick. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think the lead pipe is a little heavier, so the candlestick probably takes a few more hits. Maybe I got before the it puts you down. Element. Yeah. I know, but it's got those know, edges I, and ridges. I, don't I got the screw. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, I'm just lucky enough that when, when that happened to me after a job that I had, uh, um, you know, worked that hard at for seven or eight years, it's just someplace that I'm never going to have to encounter again. Yeah. So that's that's how I get to be in my ivory tower. But I, I promise you, should should that unlikely set of circumstances ever ever occurring you know where i'm i'm forced to do business i know i'd feel exactly the same so I, I, I tease i tease mark weber a lot on our show <laughs> where we talk about hasbro product mm-hmm. but absolutely it's look I, i'm a fan of the hasbro product you know sorry right. I, I i've i've admitted to buying some of it and i've enjoyed it and i like some of the nostalgia stuff that they're doing that's aimed i assume just at me and me only and i'm the only person who's going to buy it yeah. um and much the, the same way i've gone collect. I've gone back to my old store, uh, which the, one of the people that I trained is now running it, weirdly enough, mm-hmm. uh, five years later. Huh. Maybe I knew how to do something. And, and, uh, and I bought a bunch of product from him. And, and, I, and, I, and I love the miniatures world. Um, and I hope to someday kind of get back into painting more. But with all the other interests, there's just I have not had the time for miniatures that I wish I did. Um, if I was to do that, I would have to pull back on something else. And I, you know, I just don't feel like I want to do that right now, you know. Um, there's just too many good things happening. There's too much in this life, y'all. There's too many good things to do. That there is, sir. That there is. And let's go ahead and roll that into number five, which is sure. a great segue. What is next for Race to Canis? Oh dear Lord, who knows? You know, I uh, uh, I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying everything I'm doing right now. I'd like to do more of what I'm doing right now. Like if you look at it, all, all the different things. Look at work. You know, I just started a few months ago here uh, at Riot Games uh, on the League of Legends team. Again, the number one esport in the entire world, one of the biggest games, video games on the planet, and one of the best ones, quite honestly. What I actually looked it up. I have been playing League of Legends now for almost exactly ten years to this day. 10 years to this day, I picked up the game and now I work there. Life is crazy sometimes, right? Right. Uh, how, how all that works. Um, and I'm, and I'm really liking where I'm at there. I hope to remain there for a very long time. This is just, it's a great culture, uh, from what I've seen and what I've been a part of. Uh, and it's just, it's a company that respects, uh, people. Um, and I know they don't have not always had that track record 
And I'd like to at least be part of the positive um, spin on that, you know, and, and let's make it a great place to work for everybody. Uh, and I, and I think it is right now, honestly, I think they do a great job. Uh, nothing bad to say there even a little bit. Stop trying to make me say negative things, Mike. How dare you? That's what I do here. Have have you you not? What's on Joe mind is the pinnacle of gotcha journalism in the GI Joe world. It's true. You know, it's true. That's Uh, how, that's how we get, get that, you know, dozens and dozens of subscriptions on YouTube. That's, that's busting busting past 1100. (laughs) Yeah. That's not bad. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, so and, and I'm doing the shows. You know, I've got uh, I've got the the knowing is half the podcast show. Obviously, we're gonna keep going. We don't know how not to do the show at this point. <laughs> like Gina moved to New York for six months to work on uh, Murphy Brown, and we just she was not on the show. We just put a pause in GI Joe and did other stuff with a different stepmom co-host. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Eileen Mary O'Connell, uh, who's wonderful and loves uh, Space Jam and uh, Goof Troop. Or not Goof Troop, I'm sorry. The Goofy Movie. She would punch me in the face right now. She'd do it anyway, but she'd do it extra because I said that. Um, and, and so I, 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 we're going to do Sigma Six. We're going to do these other films. We're going to do Resolute. We're going to do uh, uh, the other one, Renegades. And then they're working on a brand new one right now, a brand new cartoon they're working on. We're trying to get Gina in the writer's room for that. Because who is better qualified to write on the new G.I. Joe cartoon than Gina Ippolito, who's been doing a G.I. Joe podcast for the last seven and a half years and is a cartoon TV writer? What are we doing, everybody? Get her on that show. Dude. If you have anything to do with that show, get her on that show in That's that a, room. That sounds like a total no-brainer. It'll, it's a no-brainer. It'll never Never happen. flop. Won't, never won't get happen. past Hasbro. Hasbro never will be like, she's a happen. fan? Get the fuck out of here. She Never isn't really even a fan. She just tolerates it. it and I it, think that makes her better. It, it's like Vince McMahon does never hired wrestling fans to write for Raw. It's true, though. I've actually, I am friends with several comedy writers from here in Los Angeles who have been hired on to write at WWE. Most of them had no love of wrestling before they worked there. And now they're big fans because they were behind the curtain, you know, and that's just how right. it works. Um, it is funny to me, though. You know, and then many, you know, I, I'm assuming you guys know a little bit, but I used to be a professional wrestler um, in a, many lives ago. Oh, you I didn't? No I thought, idea. Mike, I assumed you knew that. Yeah, that's where no, Almighty no Ray came from. Uh, that was my wrestling moniker. I trained back in 2001. Um, we, we were uh, talking you, about it pre-show a little bit, and that was really the, literally the first oh, okay. I heard of it. Yeah, real quick then. Uh, uh, I don't think I'm going back into wrestling. So to help answer the question, I've been semi-retired for about seven years now. I have not been in the ring. Doesn't mean I don't think about it all the time. I mean, um, you look you look pretty good for a guy 65 years old, right? Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I was joking about it before with Mark, but like I'm six foot four and I'm now like 260. Um, I'm a large person and I used to be in uh, uh, my ring. My ring weight was about 225. So yeah, okay. Uh, so, I'm porky now. Shut up. My so, point so of trying. Oh yeah. Believe two, 265. <laughs> oh, <laughs> little that. boy. Don't Anyways, Mark, he's actually burly enough to be a regular on this show. I'm cool. I'm cool I'm, with I'm that. That's tough because yeah. we 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 roll we roll big on what's on Joe Mine. Mm-hmm. Like Joe Colton is our cruiserweight champion. She's five eight. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. I mean, like Pretty like good. yeah, like my my brother Rob is the skinny guy by default. <laughs> well, that's the thing. People don't expect to come on when they come on as judges. We used to do shows of who would win show uh, live in person. We used to record them all live, like we would record two in a night. Spoiler alert. 
uh, at a location. So that way we could have like a destination, a couple judges come by, we do the thing. People were not expecting me and James to both be 6'4", 250 plus, because we're both very large men. Uh, and so judges would come and be like, God dang, I'm between, I, I was not ready for that. Um, so it could be a little intimidating to have these two people shouting at you uh, uh, impassionately uh, for all this time. But yeah, so uh, uh, I trained at the Thunder Zone Wrestling Academy in 2001, moved to Los Angeles in 2005, uh, trained at the uh, Rick Drazen School uh, uh, here in, I believe, Sherman Oaks, uh, California, uh, if not Van Nuys. It's, I can't tell these little boroughs apart. Um, but essentially, I trained in, in a backyard, uh, uh, but with a full wrestling ring with Rick Drazen, who was a big-time wrestler in the 70s, uh, just a magical man. And uh, and so I, I did a lot of independent gigs. I've wrestled well over 100, uh, 100 matches um, all over Michigan and California and, and had a blast doing it. Like, I, I'm paying for it physically now in my older age. Right. Uh, and my uh, I'm sure I have CTE at this point. But don't worry about that. I hear that's not a big deal. I mean, would it could it really make you sound any crazier? I don't I mean I'm, I'm I haven't not, found it yet. Yeah, right. I'm not I'm not terribly concerned about it. I've no. heard that I've heard that CTE actually can be pretty hard on the wussies. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> if I was a pansy boy, maybe it would right? me. But right? I don't need a brain right? like those nerds. Right. Am I right? <laughs> Dear Lord, I was always like, I, I look good, man. I, I I never could pack on the physical musculature. And I also wasn't interested in doing the chemical uh, additions right. necessary to get the body type that would have been required to go big. Right. Uh, and I was perfectly happy working independence and just being just being a minor player, having fun with it. Um, you know, uh, and I did. I, I, I worked out, you know, like I say, if you get old pictures of me. I was a pretty good shape. I was very trim. I there there was some musculature, but like not the level that you see on television. You know, it was just uh, I would have had to make a series of other choices that would have me even worse off right now mm -hmm. if I would have done that. And I and I chose to live a long life instead. So so uh, Ray, what's the worst bump you ever took? It's so funny you would ask me that. Um, uh, we, I was doing a, a charity show. This is back in Michigan um, when my much younger self with a lot more hair. And uh, it was called the Workers for Merkers show. And this was for a, a, a wrestler uh, who had, I believe, uh, cancer or some other debilitating illness. It was very sad. And we were doing a charity benefit show for him and his family to help pay his medical bills because Breaking Bad hadn't come out yet and he didn't know how to make meth, uh, re regretfully. Um, we did this wrestling show. We were in the main event uh, myself. Now, I was part of a tag team back then with my uh, the wrestling nerd Melvin Hertz. Uh, we were known as the Destroyers of the Universe. That was our tag team name. And I was the a-hole, and he was the nerd who could actually – he was like number three in the state of Michigan his senior year of high school. He was like a legitimate amateur wrestler. Right. And I'm just some blowhard who could get punched. Um, so it worked out well because he hated talking, and I couldn't stop. So we were we, – we, because people – everybody wanted to be – a lot of ego in wrestling. So a lot of people wanted to work as a solo act all the time. And we were told early on, if you guys team up as a tag team, you're going to get 10 times the bookings because nobody wants to be a tag team. Most tag teams are just two wrestlers they just put together who don't want to do it. If you guys come in wanting to do it, you'll just start winning titles because nobody wants to be a tag team. So we did, and we got booked all over the place. It was great. So we're as a tag team against two teams, the Renegades, who were a top five independent Michigan tag team uh, at the time, two very large men uh, who had kind of a biker goth gimmick. 
Uh, it was wonderful. They were, they were, they were, they were delightful human beings, very large, hit you very hard. And then there was a the musical act, the Bump and Uglies, who were who were hosting the show. The Bump and Uglies was a, I don't know, grindcore. I don't know what you call them, but they incorporated wrestling into their musical act. And so um, they would do concerts with a wrestling ring on stage, stop the show after a song, do a wrestling match, get back up out of the ring. Like, this is what he did, right? It was incredible. So we were a three-way tag team match against the Bump and Uglies and the Renegades. Big deal for us at this charity show. Big audience. Amazing. And so we wanted to do what we would call a little bit extra on the show. And so the biggest, the hardest bump I ever took was us and the Renegades ended up doing a tussle outside the ring. And so uh, uh, I'm on one side with one of the Renegades and um, Melvin's on the other side, uh, corners, you know, where most of the audience is. And uh, we're there on the, uh, the concrete floor. And we did a move called a triple suplex where myself and Melvin both took triple suplex, three suplexes in a row, flip over, land on your back, roll around. They pick you up, do it again, pick you up, do it again on the concrete floor. Ugh. And, and I can remember the first, the first of the three suplexes. I felt like my ankles both broke upon impact of the concrete. I was like, Oh, this is real. <laughs> this is, this is beyond anything that a human body should do. Right. And I remember because we're in there and, and kayfabe aside, the renegade was like, how you feeling? <laughs> I'm like, not good, man. He's like, you ready to keep going? I'm like, I guess. And we did the second one. We did the third one. My body is a wreck. Now we won that match in the main event of this wrestling show. It was incredible. Uh, both of the other two tag teams knocked themselves out. And then I crawled back into the ring, a defeated husk of a man threw my body over both of them for the one, two, three. It was wonderful. Big moment for the destroyers of the universe, uh, uh, completely and very kind of everyone involved. And, um, after the show was over, I'm talking to my tag team partner, Melvin hurts and my body is destroyed and he looks fine. He looks fine. And I go, Melvin, I say, what? Why do you look fine right now? I can't walk. And he says, oh, our side of the ring was the one that had mats on it. We intentionally rolled out to that side where we knew the mats were <laughs> to stick you with the concrete floor, you dumbass. Sounds like Melvin's smarts, actually. He's too smart for me. <laughs> God. And I, I have never felt, I have never felt pain like that uh, before or since. <laughs> and I am so I'm grateful for the opportunity and experience. Um, but that's the hardest bump I ever took. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so a real, just, yeah, real yeah. rough one. Just couldn't do it. Look, I, 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 I played all the sports with, with no pads and threw myself around with reckless abandon, but sure. actually doing it on command was, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to just, yeah, no. You have to be okay with doing terrible things to yourself. Yeah. At the drop of a hat or letting other people do terrible things to you. See, that's but, just it. Like at the drop of a hat wouldn't have been a problem. It's yeah. that whole knowing that you're going to do terrible things to yourself in advance. That's the part of it. That, yeah, you, 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 like, you don't know what terrible things you're going to do. What are you talking about? Like wrestling's, of course, a hundred percent real and everything that happened is real. And um, we didn't choose to do anything. How dare you, sir? How dare you accuse me of these things? I'm just, uh, Outrageous. Mm. Absolutely outrageous. Flip. Oh, Ray. Oh, Ray. 
Um, it's a great time. I, I, I value my time there and I think it really did, uh, affect me as a person and allow me to become the terrible person I am today. How are those ankles these days chasing that you know five-year-old? Not always good, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Not always very good. Like what, what's the ankle equivalent of the chiropractor? What is that all about? Oh, man, you know, I don't even know. It's, it's mostly, it's mostly hips and back and knees. Those are the three that really give me the most trouble. Uh, ankles somehow survived. I think that's uh, they. After that moment, they were like, "We're out." <laughs> no, thank you. Um, and 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 if you've seen that documentary, uh, what was it? The uh, the the uh, Beyond the Mat, right? Uh, where Jake was it? Terry Funk trying to get out of bed, right? Now I did a fraction of what that man did, but when I watched him try to roll out of bed, I'm like, "Yeah, man." I understand. I don't understand, but I understand. What they don't tell you is that was four days after the match. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's true though. And that find that Funk wrestled seven more years after that movie oh, or something. Right. Ridiculous. Seven well, more years is, and five more retirements. I would. I was working in restaurants at the time back in Michigan, so I would just come back into work waiting tables with just a messed up face. <laughs> just, I could barely move, you know. <laughs> And I'm just over here being like, hey, how? what drink order would you like today? And I've got a black eye, you know. It's right. just like, that's just what happened, man. He's just bleeding in pe- on people's plates. No <laughs> big deal. That's, that's, that's literally it, man. That's just what happens. Well, I take your order and a tooth falls out. Right. Yeah, you know. I, I'm blessed. I never suffered any... Uh, outside of one time, I never suffered any broken bones or any major, major injuries. The big uh, telling instance happened here in L.A., where I was doing a match where I was, I was not even in the ring. I was, I was in a tag team three, uh, a tag team match, just tag team. And I was looking over to the left, holding on to the ropes, getting ready to come in. My partner threw a not very well-trained kind of young guy into our corner. Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega, probably. It was probably Kenny Omega. He hits the ring corner and for whatever reason, flicks his left hand up in the air. Like for no good effing reason. I'm not looking. He caught me with his fingernail right in the eyeball. Oof. And and oh. uh, it was a corneal abrasion. Now the problem is I only have one good eye and it's my right one. So I basically wrestled another 10 minutes of match not being able to see. <laughs> I could open my eyes and take a snapshot of where I was at and what was happening. And I'd have to just do it by timing and muscle memory. And I had to wrestle the entire match basically blind. And I remember, like, we finished it. It went fine. Maybe nobody even noticed, you know? But I literally was blind. I could not physically see for four to five days after that match. And I had genuine concern I would never see again. And that's when I kind of took a step back and said, you know, maybe. Right. Yeah. Maybe life choices could be different. Something, did you did you that let, serious from a move that innocuous? Did you let Kenny know that maybe he should not do that in the future? You know what? It was a teachable moment, thankfully. And to uh, my knowledge, sure he hasn't done it again. Um, the wild thing is, like, I went to the eye doctor uh, who put this, like, gel all over my eye. Mm. And it was so bad. I was so messed up. The abrasion was so large. The, the, do- the, the, the eye doctor comes over. He sees it. He goes, hold on a sec. You guys got to come in here and see this. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not good. Oh, no. He, no, he no, started no. inviting other people in the office as his teachable moment of how bad it can be. 
and that that was not that was a crap your pants moment. I'll be honest with you. Who, who's the who's the the best known wrestler that you hooked up with? Um, I trained with back in Michigan. I trained with a one legged wrestler named Zach Gowan, okay. who is also from the same hometown in high school that I went to. And I was there for his first day of wrestling school. And I was, you know, I wouldn't say I trained him. I didn't. I helped him. We worked together. And I was the first person he ever beat in a match because nobody wanted to put him over. Mm. The egos, as I said, were very high. Even right. for low-level Michigan independent wrestling, the egos were through the roof. And nobody wanted to be the one to lose to a one-legged man in an ass-kicking competition. And that's when Ray comes in, because I don't give a flying F about any of that stuff. So uh, I wrestled him one-on-one, -on -one and he, he beat me, uh, and, I, and, and it started. I like to say that was the start of a fruitful career. He ended up wrestling Vince McMahon on pay-per-view okay. um, and was very successful and did many good things for himself. So uh, uh, that, was, uh, uh, that was a high point, for sure. Look, man, the, the casuals out there, they, they talk about Hulk Hogan. They talk about Ultimate Warrior. The folks sure. who are really fans, the ones that, that we adore, they're the ones that put other people over. It's, you know, there's only one way to do this thing. And uh, it, it's not that it, it doesn't matter because it does and fan perspective matters and, and keeping your own name high matters. But at the end of the day, man, like you, do, do right by the business. That's what I say. So, but all of this is to answer the question, where, where am I going forward? What's next? And what's next? Gosh, I hope I end up finishing season one of Vampire Detroit, Reclaim Detroit, a Vampire, the Masquerade audio drama found at VampireDetroit.com. And uh, we're going to do more Who Would Win. We're going to do more Knowing Us Half the Podcast. God willing, we, we do more of the My Three Dads podcast, which has we haven't done an episode in like nine months, so don't worry about it if you didn't know about it. That's myself, Robert Clark Chan, and Marshall Gibbons, uh, uh, a tremendous actor, crazy ex-girlfriend, a bunch of other shows. And uh, all of us have kids roughly around the same ages. And so we just did a show about watching uh, cartoons aimed at kids and uh, fatherhood. You can find it, My Three Dads, it exists. We've done a handful, like maybe a dozen episodes. And literally walking in the door, we said, we're only going to make this when we feel like making it. We, there's no pressure to do this ever. If we ever feel oh. like it, we'll do it. Jesus, uh, Mark, fine. we've been sitting here talking to him for two hours. He just mm -hmm. busted out another podcast. Up. Right. No, I do this, a lot of things. This Jesus. one's I like this one because there's no John Stamos involved. So It's true. It could be John good. John Stamos not involved. And are, you really know, good. That, that, was, we'll get... that was actually little known fact. That was, that was what um, made him join our podcast. Yeah. We promised him no John Stamos. Okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, listen, there's a lot, and you guys are not in LA, um, but uh, there's the Stamos effect as we call it. And, you know, I don't want to get too much into it beyond that. And I'll just, I'll just say it's a thing. Definitely. Um, you know, the, 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 the big golden goose for my three dads, we've got to get Nick Cannon on the show. Uh, Cause nobody knows more about fatherhood. He's three dads, at least on his own. No, he's like my 12 dads at this point. Uh, probably more. Wait a minute, who's the NFL cornerback with like 36 You're talking kids? about uh, uh, Antonio Cromartie. Cromartie, there you yeah, go. Yeah, for the New York Jets. Yeah. Call me 11 dad. kids. Yeah, call me dad. Just saying. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, you know what? You find something you're good at, and you keep yeah. doing it. That's and, what you I don't, and you don't do it for free. Right. You don't do it <laughs> for free. In, the, in some cases, you pay for it deeply. Yeah, there you go. Literally. Oh, uh, my God. Um, but yes, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun things happening. I don't know. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of fun gaming things. Uh, I, I don't know. I do stuff 
and I and I like to do stuff. I like to do podcasts, and here we are. By the way, just just to say, product plug here. That one a.m. flare woo uh, brought to you by Mountain Dew Kickstart. I'm a fan. That stuff will keep you going, man. That's how many? True. How many of the three other people in this house did I just wake up? Mm. Right. Stay, stay tuned to the What's couple. on Joe Mind channel. Yeah, a couple. Uh, as we continue with our Mark Weber live stream. Yep. It's not stopping. Just because me and Mike leave, Mark's just going to be going monologuing go. for hours. Go. Radio, radiothon. It's going to be a good show. I'll donate. That's fine. <laughs> right. Ray, before we let you go, man, what's uh, what's the one, what's the one last thing that we haven't, you haven't told us yet? This is the bonus question. The bonus one, what haven't I talked about? My goodness, hard to gracious. believe. There's got to be something though. There's got to be something in there. You know, one time when I, you know, I, I was, I was deep into poetry slam for a while, and so I used to write and perform a performance poetry at the Ann Arbor Poetry Slam for years. This is around the same time I was wrestling. And so what a, what, a, what a force on stage I was. And one of my favorite pieces I ever did was a, a free-form uh, poetry bit based on working in my restaurant I was in at the time and meeting Chuck Woolery, uh, host of The Dating Game right. and, and other shows, and um, having him come out of the bathroom, finding me as the first employee and saying, hey, I just I need you to know you guys are out of toilet paper in the bathroom. And at that moment, cosmically, what was important to me was that I had a deeper understanding that Chuck Woolery had a poopy asshole. Well, that's, that's what's important. Real poopy. Uh, Couldn't clearly. wipe. And you know what? That made me a better person. It made me better than Chuck in that moment, and I appreciated it. I mean, it's possible. Better that smelling. He- that he finished the deal and just bankrupted the bathroom, right? There's no chance that that man would have pulled aside a cast member to tell them there was no toilet paper if he didn't need toilet paper. Himself. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah. Because Chuck Woolery in, in more recent times has proven to be kind of an asshole. It turns out he's not the celebrated figure uh, that perhaps he, his legacy could have dictated. Right. Now, right. he is something of of a uh, ironically enough a poopy butthole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out it it was it fit. You know, it was ironic, and he didn't even know it. He didn't know it at that time. Yeah, uh, you said you wanted something I hadn't said. I don't remember telling that story for decades. So there you go. You well, got it. Go. You get the real scoop on the what's on Joe mind. No, podcast. no, we get the real poop. Thank you. Yeah. The real poop, legitimately. Yeah, man. T- typical Ray. Take that one all the way to the goal line and fumble. It's not the first time. Look, you just call me Jamal Williams over here. It's fine. <laughs> well, Ray, it's been a pleasure. It's a joke really for four people in the up. audience, and two of them are in this room right now. Mm-hmm. So that's great. <laughs> that's it. Know your audience, baby. <laughs> so, hey, if you're entertaining yourself, then that, uh, pass that. I never stopped. I'm always entertaining myself. <laughs> I never, never worry about s- s- silly things like an audience. It's all about am I having a good time. Right. Most of gathering an audience is just people looking and seeing that you're having fun. Mm -hmm. And so they figure that they should have fun too. The reality, most, and this is the thing, and this is true with stand-up comedy. It's true with burlesque. It's true with all forms of staged entertainment. The audience wants to make sure internally that the performer is okay. They want you to be okay. They want you to be okay and having a good time. And if you're clearly struggling 
or not having a good time, it as an audience member, it makes you uncomfortable and it makes the show go even worse. Right. And that's why that you never let them see you sweat, whatever. It's true though. If you go out on stage and you're uncomfortable, everyone watching you is also uncomfortable. And you might think this is good anti-comedy. It's really not. And you should feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Anyways, that's a whole other, I could, I could go for another day. <laughs> But, Let's uh, do it. I know, I know Mark could. Yeah, Mark's I'm not tired. I'm not tired at all. Mark's good. But I got to edit this. Thing. You're going to edit this? This is a, this is two hours of pure spun gold. I'm, I'm you taking you about? down to 18 minutes, Ray. We can't we can't, uh, we can't Boy, be that's blowing gonna be. That's going to be. I don't even know what you even pull out that's good. Uh, uh, for probably minutes. to get to 18 minutes, it would probably just pull out the parts where you're talking and keep the parts where mm-hmm. Mark and I are talking. Honestly, bold yet understood decision. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm really glad that all you fans joined us for two dumb questions tonight. <laughs> two dumb questions and no answers here on What's on Joe Mind podcast. Yeah, there would be there would be five dumb questions. There would be zero dumb answers. That's great. Fair enough. Five dumb questions back to back. It's just, and then it cuts me to just being like, "Well, question number two. I, you know what? Print it." I'm in for it. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Once Mike's done with it, we'll be at the Chuck Woolery bit like three minutes in. Right. Be a good show. It's, I mean, again, pure gold. Yep. You know, do with that what you will. That's it. Play the hits. That's uh, we, One time we, doing a poetry slam competition, we did a competition called The Worst Poet in Ann Arbor. And proudly enough, I'm a two-time winner. Worst poet. And thir- it should have been a third this, time, but I got robbed. I am uh, 0% surprised by this. And at one point, my poetry, this is no joke. I went up on stage to claim to claim my trophy and, and check for 50 bucks. It was a big deal at the time uh, uh, for winning worst poet in Ann Arbor. And somebody came out of the audience with a lighter and set me on, set my shirt on fire. <laughs> I guess I made him mad or he no, thought no. it was funny, but my shirt was on fire. Not, you know, burn concern but it was definitely on fire and i had to put it out on stage and so my t-shirt that i won because you win a t-shirt too uh that says worst poet in ann arbor has a burn mark on on the side uh where somebody set me on fire after the show that's for the best that's a real thing yeah that adds to the story that i didn't talk about that either look the poetry thing brings it out of me man (laughs) i haven't lived that life in a long time my god well, uh, Mark, we have con- completed our contractual obligation uh, to have somebody of Greek heritage on a podcast tonight. I'm not so. even Greek. That's weird. Really? Yeah, Stachanus is Lithuanian. Oh, all right. Uh, a lot of people think it's Greek, um, and I'm offended by that. Do I look Greek to you? Maybe I, I do. I don't know. I don't know what Greek know. looks like. I, I Maybe it looks know just like me. Look, man, I am so many things, Yeah. Uh, including Lithuanian. Mm-hmm. So I, be proud of our Lithuanian heritage. There we go. Let's hear it for Virgis Stakanis, the famed Lithuanian folk singer. You can find his videos and music on YouTube and iTunes. He is a real person who is a real relative of mine in Lithuania, and he's a big deal out there in the world of country folk singing. So there you go. Get Lithuanian. excited, Virgis Stakanis. Lithuanian country folk singing. Yes, it's it's a niche audience, but that audience loves him. <laughs> We don't know anything about niche audiences. Not at all. Neither do I. Neither do I. Not at all. Nothing. That's uh, that's the part of the, my mom's mom, that branch of the family, Lithuanian. 
And truthfully, if you're still listening to the show at this point, you are the real fans. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a free bonus code. I don't have no, I don't have codes. I could give you a free box of every plate meal delivery systems. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have to like sign up for the, maybe it's not worth it. My point is if you're still here nine hours into this episode, still listening to me ramble on about nonsense, you are the ones that we're here for. And you are the ones that we appreciate. So all I want you to do is, I want you to leave a five-star review for What's on Joe Mind, and I just wanted to say I'm a real one. I'll know that you're here talking right, you're listening right now to me talk, and I know you're a real one. I want you to prove it with a five-star review of What's on Joe Mind show. I'm a real one. Do that today, right now. In fact, stop the show. Do it right now. Mm-hmm. Or just, and no, no just promises. like, subscribe, leave a comment, do all that YouTube stuff. That's, no that's promises, it. but maybe someone will send you a Dr. Mindbender Funko Pop that needs a new home. I doubt it that. It will. Someday, Robert. Well, here's the deal. Robert Clark maybe. Chan is supposed to be coming over for Thanksgiving. So this is my, I got to finally get it to him then, right? Like, I, I can't screw that up, right? Yeah. Tune in to find out how I screwed that up. You're going to yeah. like it. I, I'm totally going to forget. 100%. I'd say uh, odds are... 97% that you're not going to pass that on. The 3% is I turned my Dr. Mindbender Funko Pop into the centerpiece of our Thanksgiving Day table, and even then it's 50-50, he doesn't take it home. Yeah. That sounds about right. That sounds yeah. legit. Yeah. Sounds legit. Five-star review, I'm a real one, or comment to this YouTube video, I'm a real one. That's how we know. you are. If you don't do it, you're not a real one. I'm sorry. You're just not. And that's not okay. You think it's it's not okay. Be a real one. Do it. Race to Canis from uh, Knowing Us Half the Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Man, it's been my pleasure. Anytime I have a chance to come on a show and talk at length about myself, I will say yes. Man, man's got standards. Yeah. Thanks to all of you, and of course, especially all you real ones, for joining us here on Special Edition. You better do it. Seventy six. Um, have a great rest of the weekend. Enjoy your night. Go, Rip it, the 99 cent gas station rip it. Uh, Ooh. the red one. Oh, it was tasted like Fago red pop. It was delicious. <laughs> oh, it's made with oh. bits of real panther. Oh, it's oh, there's something in there. <laughs> so, you know, something illegal's in there. I'm gonna promise that. That was that's uh, not a tasting like Fago red pop is not a selling point. That's that is a, oh, how dare you. First off, oh. it smells like gasoline. <laughs>